think we can call the meeting to order because we have a quorum. Um, should I hand these things out? These um, there's a there's an amended part in the circulation and library card policy. And so when we vote on that, we'll point you to what's changed from what's in your packet. So take one of those. And at the end of the meeting, we sort of look at the agenda for next month and that's changed slightly. So take one of those as well. Um, I well, usually call myself my health to anybody's attention, but I had knee surgery a few weeks ago. And so if I stand up and start walking around, it, don't think I'm that weird. <laughs> I plan to just sit, but you never know. Um, okay, is there any public discussion? Okay, um, then moving on, it's not what I expected, but um, we have items to be discussed. Um, mostly they're policy reviews. Um, some require action and some don't. So we will start with the first item, which is elsewhere to discuss budget. Thank you. So budget discussion is just something that's a standing item on the agenda for the next several weeks. Um, this is the time of year that we're kind of getting, getting deeper into the budget process. Um, this month, there's not a whole lot to discuss. Um, just to keep the board up to date, we've had the budget, we've, we've met with all of the departments in the library, um, talked through how we'll be taking budget requests this year, of going over what we think the philosophy of the budget is going to be um, and ask them to submit to administration um, their adjusted budgets. Um, and then if that's all come in, everybody's looking good. The next step with that will be Kelly and I will go through and start to take all of the separate requests and merge them into the library's, uh, library's request in the US system. Um, this year, the timing um, is going to work out that we, we have this information pretty early in the game. They, while we've had some budget orientation kind of meetings for the year, we haven't really been given the, the, the big narrative kickoff where the city administration sort of says, so let's go over generally where the city stands, kind of what we're thinking about at City Hall, what we're thinking about with our departments that have semi-autonomous or autonomous boards. Um, so that hasn't happened yet, but it's coming up. Um, and then, of course, we'll take that information into consideration before we write our budget in brief, which comes to the board before we finalize our request to the state. Um, the CIP process runs right along with the budget. That's the capital improvement um, project. And You'll see you saw in, in my director's report, um, I updated one of our standing reports and I put in a new report, uh, a new request, neither of which felt um, particularly um, 
unexpected, but um, happy to have dialogue about that when we get to that report. Um, the CIP entries are due tomorrow. Um, so we'll, we'll put those, we'll submit those to the city tomorrow. The next um, due date will be what's called the city budget book entries, which is basically a departmental overview. It's a chance to kind of list some of our accomplishments, um, put a few photos in, kind of um, what, what council will look at as they enter into looking at our budget request um, for the next fiscal year. Um, and then after that, at the end of the, that'll be the end of the month, at the end of October, we'll go into the bigger parts like the budget narrative and the budget inputs. So it's, it's looking a lot like the like last year's process. Um, it feels like a lot of moving pieces, but it's, it's pretty logical. They've got a, a pretty nice system here. There's been lots of changes in the finance department in the, the past um, fiscal year or so. And so far, I've just been really impressed with um, how, how patients and how uh, generous people are with their time when we have questions um, and walking us through things. Since we are a semi-autonomous department, we do a few things a little bit differently. And um, I just have nothing but positive to say about working with the city um, through, those, through, through those nuanced pieces. So, so far it feels, feels positive, feels like we're on track. Um, I look forward to CMP feedback when we get there. There's no action given, but any questions or thoughts right now? So the budget in brief will be just, it won't be hard numbers. It'll be just. It will be numbers. It will be numbers. It's, it's sort of condensed lines. So you'll see across the board, um, it's like we take the departmental numbers and, and pull them into categories. And that's what we expect next month. We should have a draft of that next okay. month. It's not due to the city for a little while longer, but we like to have time with the revision the board to questions other comments no so uh, also within the absence of guidance um have departments been thinking about increases i would say it's been um, the absence of city guidance it's been less modest um, i don't know the average i can't tell you the average sure. on what people are thinking about a little bit more very strategic, both in linking with strategic initiatives when we are asking for more, but also in trying to balance very carefully what we're doing. So, sort of being able to say we may ask for less in trans processing, but we know we're going to mirror that with an increase in something else. Um, I do anticipate putting some some personnel feelers out this year. Um, I also anticipate the, the responsibility to be not right now, but I think putting that out um, so that we have a, a record of, of those requests, again, tied very closely to library, city council initiatives. Um, and I will probably have a separate report about that next month, um, just sort of about what the what the vision for that would look like.
before we move on to the first policy review, which is if you're going to present this review, it looked like there were amendments. The only uh, change is to add that we reviewed it on the state. Um, we're not suggesting any, any changes. And you can see that it's just a one page, um, but basically describe some the way where we change some language to to different here from the city to Comments from the board? No? Does, so we have to make a motion that we reviewed it? Okay, would somebody like to make a motion? Need a second? I will second. Okay, so the motion is to note that this policy has been reviewed today. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Do do? Um, the next one is another administrative one, right? General oh, general library. Oh no, this is the big one. This is the big one. Um, and Anne, I, I mean, yeah. First of all, if I, I can just ask, like, there's a lot of red, and kind of explain that. So why is there so much red? <laughs> so every so this policy is changed every time the city right. changes its personal policy, okay. and they made a lot of significant changes. Um, I think some of it stems from the DEI work that they've been working on, adding expanding sections, uh, especially the sexual harassment, whistleblower policies, responses to federal law, responses to state law. And then you can kind of tell what their priorities are by the things that they shifted around. Um, we try to closely align with the city's uh, personal policy as closely as possible because there are human resources expertise, there are legal expertise. Where we do differ is just if it's library specific. So I've outlined some of the things that we keep we say library director and some manager, we just kind of add those components in. And then if there's library certification that's needed, or if there was um, things that the city does like civil service and some um, employment that is not applicable here, or um, pre-employment drug tests, which we do not require, um, we remove those where necessary. So most of the red is the city's doing. Yes. Okay. We did not make any significant changes to library specific things, except for they changed state accreditation for um, endorsements now for life. Okay. So <laughs> no, it's okay. And I kind of thought that that was it. I just wanted you to I I didn't want the board to have the impression that you all had sat down and rewritten the whole policy. <laughs> um, so as a board, they've got comments or questions or beyond the fact that it's dry. <laughs> Not my comment. I think it's very exciting. It dry. I didn't find it dry. That's not my comment. I'm not saying where. I read it. Yes, I'm sure you did. Is there anything um, that 
may have found concerning um, that you you or, or the reviewers found concerning um, anywhere in this. I know a lot of the alignment was to to just stay in compliance, stay in law. Uh, but anything that stood out where it's like, uh, that really, okay. No, everything makes sense. I want to keep it notional, you know, but yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I, I really appreciate the inclusive uh, pronouns. Thank you. Anyone else? Uh, just a little bit of a question, but to kind of dovetail off of it. Um, we did hear some questions from staff sort of about the um, social media policy parts of it. I was wondering about that. Um, not necessarily hard criticism or even requests to, to change. Just sort of wondering if that if we were going to align with that, um, if there was sort of more to be said. I think often when these policies are changed, there is a question of did something happen that led to this? Sure. Which in this type of policy, of course, would be confidential. Um, and uh, I think that was able to be talked about at departmental levels in a way that satisfied most of those questions. Okay. I would say um, from my vantage point, it's an extremely balanced and fair approach to social media representation where we're really not asking for anything but the basics of, of what is the norm. Um, and we don't have hard plans to revisit that, but I think if if we were going to explore any sections for deeper work, that well would be one of I'd want to look at a little refined bit. if necessary. But right now I, I feel really good about it. Um, does anybody else have a specific question staff had? That would be the only thing A question about headphone use, and I think we covered that departmentally too. Okay. I was really, I was really happy to make sure that they were responding to us and read it and brought us questions. Was absolutely. Yeah, that was an odd one. I saw. <laughs> okay. We don't want people to wear headphones on the public floor. Right. Right. You're right. But if they're cataloging in the back, yep. that's fine. Anybody else? Wow, all that red, and we're ready to vote all red. <laughs> okay, that's half the packet. Hmm? That's half the packet. Yeah, well, no, yeah, maybe. The other half oh. is the other, other one. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I need a motion to approve the policy with the changes. And I need a second. A second. Okay, we have a motion to approve the amended policy. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Um, administ the next one is a policy 503. This is, this is one of those just uh, page 37 in the package. Um, one of the one pages that says um, we can apply this policy. Um, we know that just a, what we thought was a small grammatical error, and 
Then the recommendation has always been come with this and that we attach the current contract and take out the contract. So uh, for those of you who've been on the board a while, this, this will just be something you've seen before. Um, but questions, we're happy to answer if you have Anybody want a discussion about the handbook? No, it was dry too. Um, even drier. Even drier. Okay, so now I need a motion to approve policy 503 with the minor change to 503.2. Good job. <laughs> I need a second. Seconded. Okay. Um, so we have a motion to approve um, policy 503 with the minor amendment. And I'm sorry. Okay. I'm out. okay. <laughs> All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Right. Then we are on to our last policy review, which is the library policy review. We started this one last month in order to approve extending the fine-free period for, uh, through the end of the fiscal year. And then this is the rest, the rest of the policy. It's circulation policy 801. And um, I believe Tom brought a change, uh, something that needed to be changed to the attention of Ellsworth. So if you didn't get, I think you all got one of these. So towards the end of policy 801 in your packet, there's a change and a revision. There's a revision, actually it looks like a couple of them. 801.32. Apparently, we don't use a collection agency anymore. Is that correct? It's not a common practice. Well, we we'll still have a partnership okay. with one. It's, it's just okay. a way that we're retaining materials that have been lost or not retained yet. Oh. Um, there. I'm confused. Could you repeat the change? It's looking at just looks like we are still including. Are we still including a um, collection agency or only law enforcement? At 801.32 is the amended one. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's right. crossed out, I think. So only law enforcement. So what are we doing? We're, we're not going to pursue this at all in terms of collections. This, this has been a big issue in the past. We're not going to be using collections agency. It's been common practice since I came about a year ago that um, our notification system and then anything that would, would exceed a specific amount and require like law enforcement agency, like the return of like equipment. Right, it's right, like, right. Several hundred dollars. We would use the, the like camera footage. So this change excludes us from being able to go back to a collection agency option in the future. 
Right. Um, so collection agencies are only going to deal with a specific threshold amount, and then they can only deal with it after X right. amount of years. So we've realized that at ten dollars, no, we would get a return on investment. For the right. I'm not thinking of that. I'm thinking of the uh, large amounts we have that disappear at times. Right. And we just do this strictly the law enforcement. Because the collection agency only sent letters, right? They did not, yeah, they did not yeah. send personnel. They did not employing the police to do the right. any site visits. And I guess my hesitation when I'm thinking about this is using law enforcement for someone who's got missing materials rather than trying to do something as a first step, such as a collection agency, before we go to law enforcement or do items. If it helps, law enforcement is a rarely used occasion, and it's really more about like the theft of library materials, like right. things like equipment has not come back. So it's it's a really rare kind of hard to occur in praxis. Um, it, we have three notifications: something that is about to be due, something that is due, and now something right. that's selected to bills. And it's going to bring the bill material back, and that bill is usually what gets it done. Um, in its way, yeah, and, and return to the collection. And so we just realize that there's a better return on investment to get materials back and so conveyance into the collection if we don't have that third party step because we're losing folks who feel like, oh, right. I got a notification from my bill collector, my relationship with the library is now closed. I'm going to kind of avoid the situation as opposed to like, hey, you sent me something, can I make it right directly with you? And we've just kind of noticed that that approach. Has brought more people in the door, it's continued those partnerships and relationships with folks, and it's really kind of made it unnecessary to ever bring law enforcement in unless it's a significant dollar amount. So, when you need coordinating that, was what's part of the notice system? So, they would they come in at the point of where we now send the bill? They would come in at replacement. I, I have to rewind the tape. I think that if like fines and fees exceeded $50 is what I want to say, we would have stepped in two and then we graduated to now if items are filled and now, now it's just if items are filled. We're, we're not kind of having that conversation about late fees because if the items are returned, then they're back in the circulation. Is there a permanent record when law enforcement is used to collect these items? So I'm thinking about the effect on a high school age student who's made some poor decisions, but is there a permanent record that follows once law enforcement is called in? That's a great question. So like the, the removal of the of the collection agency um, or, or the or the or the placement of the collection agency piece doesn't really remove how that process escalates, other than they only get one bill now instead of it being from a third party that they don't have to connect with, it's directly from us. So then when it exceeds to that that piece, we're really we're really conservative about when we would take it that far, and it's typically like this is an item that we have ten of. It's, it has fifty folds on it. The community really needs it. I, I understand that we don't do it very often, but the fact that we have a certain policy here doesn't mean we'll all be the same people in the room when this should come up. And they're just thinking should be wiped at eighteen. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Is there a way we could potentially codify that threshold? I'm just throwing out ideas here because I understand, uh, Robin, correct me if I'm wrong, that your your main concern here is we'd be losing out on a tool in our toolbox. Yes, possibly in a, in a middle level tool, possibly that. Okay. But you know, I understand what you're saying that is that there's an effectiveness issue here that when in an extreme situation using law enforcement is more efficient. 
I'm just wondering if it has to be the stuff we jump to. Well, if you would like to retain it in policy, that makes sense. We haven't been really applying it in procedure, and I, and I understand why it's part of the confined for the last. Yeah. Right, so really, it's for missing at large missing items, expensive missing items. Well, when items are missing, a, a, a conversation with the library directly just seems to be much more effective. Um, um, can I ask you one more question? When you call law enforcement, if it's a minor, is the law enforcement pursuing the parent is responsible for those materials? Yeah. And if it, if it is an equipment item, that parent has signed a waiver to right. allow. So, does, so the, the minor doesn't necessarily deal with law enforcement, the parent does. According to Iowa Code, it's the parent's okay. responsibility. Yeah. The responsible party. I, I trust the staff in this. It just there's there's a piece of me that causes pain to to think that we're going to call law enforcement for missing library materials. But, but I understand these are extreme cases, and we, are, yeah. and we need a follow-up process. But changing taking the collection agency out necessarily increase the number of times we call law enforcement, right? No, that, that's that's what's interesting. Is like all three pieces exist: the collection agency piece, the library notification piece, and in dire straits, the law enforcement agency piece, which is very rare. Just point out the collection agency is just a more transparent and accurate representation of what we're doing because we're not submitting $10 forms as frequently for a third party to send a notification on our behalf. And occasionally they can get up to date contact information, but those are like the only two pieces that you need brings to the table. And the conversations are just um, much more fluid and, and open and, and productive when it's direct from your, your library. So let me let me parrot that back to make sure because um, I'm thinking of three levels of escalation here. One is going to, and as currently outlined, uh, it's one library, then collections, then law enforcement. So yeah, essentially, yeah, you would go through like the three different types of notification, notification bill. Then we used to do pre pre my time here collections. Yep. And you would just run a list and it could be like the same collection for the same person for months on end, you know what I mean? Because that's kind of hard to pull out in the thousands or the hundreds or even the, the scores. Sure. And then if it met a specific threshold connection to Iowa code, then we would review it and decide this is something we submit. And then they just send a certified letter and that's that's essentially what that's happens. Okay. And usually at that point, I'm gonna say nine times out of 10, the material comes back and occasionally it will, it will go further. And that's just kind of when we like the tape and right say, yeah let's see what we can do to make this work and so we're, what we're proposing is expanding the what's the word uh the role of of public library to account for that gap that is was current was previously occupied by the collections agency so yeah, it, it's true that the public library's process would butt up to the law enforcement side of the house when that happened, but to your point, extremely rare. Um, and also it seems like it's, it, what you're saying is that it's going to be a more um, kind transaction well, as it were. And unique used to actually be able to affect your credit score. It, it would actually like ding you. And it right. doesn't now, but many people still assume it does. So you get those conversations of, I cannot believe you submitted this and didn't just have this conversation with us. You dinged my credit. 
you know, like people would go and buy a house. And so it was like, that's a terrible, yeah, that is a terrible perception of your public library where it's like, you should have just sent me a bill. That's typically where it ends unless it's extreme. Okay. And so I, I guess that's why we're advocating for that to not only happen in praxis, but if it's going to happen in praxis, just be very transparent in our policy that not only A, does the collection agency we use do that anymore, but B, the library is not in the, in the, in the maybe the habit of any people's credit because something happened in their life and they couldn't get an item back. Yeah, that changed in June of 16. Yeah. Okay. I think that's from when we started getting kind of away from using them. Okay. We might have an opportunity to, to talk. So we have a relatively new police still. I wonder, and they're developing some new sort of community engagement type roles in that department. I wonder if this warrants a discussion with him to sort of see, maybe we could be more specific and we could say that we would engage a local law enforcement agency with the community resource officer or with a, we could, we could sort of soften that are more, more specific about, it's not drugs are out or it's more, it's a certified letter. It's more, yeah, a letter yeah. or a, um, a resource type for you. Which is kind of what it is now. It's just that one more level of like, not only is your library saying this, but now like your community saying this, you can bring that property back and make sure that everybody else gets to have their access to it as you want. How often do you contact law enforcement for law long so uh, this is anecdotal. I've been here for uh, 12 and a half months. I think that it's come up twice. And it was like missing pieces of art that once that certified letter came for hundreds of dollars, it's like, oh yeah, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'll get those back to you right away. Or can you meet me outside? I don't want to come inside. And it was like, for some reason, the notifications and the bill didn't get us there. But that extra layer got us those pieces of art back. And it was like, yeah, we could totally work it out with you as long as you connect with us. And sometimes I think that's just a little nudge folks need. I'm not sure that that door would have been open for that opportunity if they assumed that the credit had been made. That makes sense, but of course that's actual. Yeah. I was just learning about like long overdue versus stolen and if you approach it differently, we could find it. That, that's a great question. So like after it's hit the build process, essentially it's stolen property, but that's when we kind of look at the bill, like after a certain amount of time, right? And then we look at like the, the dollar amount and then we decide how do we pursue this? What is like the best course of action for us as stewards in this collection? And um, the threshold for staff away was $100. So I really do feel like we're trying to be fluid at the same time making sure that this is a collection that is truly accessible to everybody. Big question is what do we do right now? Well, um, is someone ready to make a motion to approve this circulation policy? I'll make a motion. Yes, written. Yeah, we approve it. That's a second. Second. All right, all in favor of approving the changes to the circulation and library card policy 801. All opposed? Okay.
I'm just going to editorialize a bit here. Um, I actually have decided that I'm going to start reading. I'm going to read the library trustee manual cover to cover. And I started that process. But one of the things that it points out that a board member should do is when they're reading the packet, if they know something, if they notice something that's like incorrect, such as Tom noticed this issue about the collection thing, is to contact Ellsworth ahead of the meeting so that it could be dealt with and put. So if you just, if, you, if you're looking at the packet and you notice something that you think is probably not right, um, take that extra step and let him know ahead of time so that it, it saves time and angst at, at meetings, I think. Um, all right, that's the last of the policies. Right, hey, on to staff reports. Also, here first. All right, I tried a little bit different approach this month in lieu of a bunch of standalone memos, memos with things that don't need any action. I sort of rolled them into a report and attached them there. So, feedback now or later on that is welcome. But um, everything from the stands and the ones written, um, I think that Moni has. Can Manny come to a board meeting stand to be introduced yet? No, not, no. Okay, we'll, we'll bring Manny uh, Galvez to, to, to meet the board. Uh, he's the new PR assistant. Um, not so new anymore, but he hit the ground running and has just been a moving uh, force on our staff. We're so proud of him to be um, inducted into the Iowa Chino Hall of Fame. And I really want to celebrate that with him. Um, Otherwise, uh, went, went through the service guidelines draft, which for anyone who's been following along is essentially an edited introduction to the form of guidelines with the, the benchmark pieces, sort of the hard benchmark pieces taken out. Um, that's kind of where, where I am with it right now. This one feels harder to work through than the first one because of sort of the reporting changes and Things that we do and don't know. Um, if there is any feedback from this group tonight about how the how people think that should evolve, that'd be great. Um, if not, I might my plan next is to share this piece with all staff and sort of welcome input around other more specific specifics people would like to see. How do we have we moved completely away from sort of a favorite idea? Um, you know, what we're hearing from Susan Valletta and other resources is um, hands are, are not so much including shutting down anymore, but it's now sort of how are you going to deal with business as usual in this still atypical time? Um, it's important to me that the document reflects. But we, we do want to be very careful when we leave with that sort of safety first lens. Um, but I also think the optics of being the only public library in the Midwest that to, to shut down based on a certain benchmark, we need to be really ready to defend that. Um, so that's, that I, I feel like I did have one question for it that was kind of like, I think you, you didn't include part of what was supposed to be. And I know it, it feels very incomplete right now, but I, I would welcome feedback of how to make it stronger um, if people had any thoughts. Well, when I read it, 
I mean, my reaction was it's not a guide for decision making. Um, but by the same token, exactly as you said, I really can't. It would take a lot, I think, before we wanted to sh shut down again because other places aren't shut down. You know, nothing else is sh shut down. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not sure. I don't know what more it can be. Right. I mean, it does, it does help in the sense that it lays out these are things to look at. And that's, that's important, but I think any future decisions are going to be ad hoc or we can't pre-program them. And I think the justification at that point is what matters, you know, not just to say these are the factors we've considered, but these are the specific indicators that led to this decision. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly in the schools, I think like if X percentage of the kids or the teachers or the whoever staff is out sick, I don't know what the threshold is, is it 10%, 25 There's no. Then you, then you have to close. And, you know, I think if 25% of the staff came down with COVID, right. then there would be the time that we got close for two weeks. But um, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Well, I that's great feedback um, right there. So I, I, that I do want to share it again with staff, see if anybody um, has seen or heard of anything they think is especially meaningful. Um, and um, we'll, keep, we'll keep working on it um, when we learn more. Um, I think everybody would love to be done with it, but we realize we've got some time left to um, The GIP documents that I mentioned um, are here. The, the four ones have been going on for, for many years now. Um, and that last year, I had submitted a second GIP to, to complement the second floor request. And the first floor request erroneously was um, was thought of as a replacement, so that's why I, I put both into one large CIP to avoid any confusion. Um, we did do just a, a couple very small flooring updates uh, this year because we considered them to be at the point of a safety issue. The, the staff elevator had the original flooring. It's a very small service elevator. Uh, we also had a problem with uh, someone urinating to the back door of the library. Um, maintenance, it just wasn't, it didn't need to be replaced. So that was also replaced a fairly small area. Um, and people may remember the COVID game had a flooring update not too long ago after a sewage issue. Um, so a few of these people have been, have been dealt with, but. Um, just as the building agent is a necessary project. Um, it, will be a, it will be a surprisingly big project, what happens, moving all this stuff around um, takes more time and planning than it seems like it would, and, um, and we will work with, with lots, of, lots of folks to make sure that we have a project that will float well. Um, I 
And I don't anticipate much council level discussion about this one just because they've seen it before. Um, and, and this is this is a change to it. Um, I I chose to write this, but perhaps we welcome to come to uh, input with um, saying that that we were asking for the full project amount. Um, this is this is sort of a, a core piece of building maintenance. Um, in my mind, it's we've taken exceptional care of the building since it was open. I think everything is lasting to or beyond expected lifespan. Uh, my feeling was, I'd like to submit it that way, see what the response is, and if if there's a conversation about that, then we could revisit that and sort of see what what threshold we were we felt interested in. Um, the library is also historically a CIP request part of the city. Uh, unless it's a true building project, they tend to be on the lower value side. Um, and you know, we're, not, we're not a vehicle fleet kind of department. So I thought it was worth it to take that first step. And the other one is a, is a new one to folks, but it's a, a logical step from an existing um, request to have the space needs of environmental study done for the building. Again, I just see that as something that, that you need to do with your building and the ages. We obviously have a community interest in trying to uh, keep our carbon footprint small, keep our environmental impact as positive as we can. Um, and it feels like combining that with a space needs uh, study will just sort of let us take care of those two things in tandem. So we, we may get feedback that you know the, the building environmental is still pretty sound, but we can we can walk through the best practices and staff spaces and things like that. One thing we learned from COVID was let's not attach anything to the floor that we can put wheels on in the staff rooms because <laughs> you never know when they're gonna get the director to spread everybody out six feet. Um, and again, the vast majority of this stuff is original to the building. And you know, we I think we we've done great stewardship with it and uh, it feels like asking for some resources to implement findings um, just makes sense um, to earmark for, for that next project. Is there any uh, thought why to push that back five years? Or is, is there any reason to do it sooner or reason to think that's the time? I think that feels like a good time to look at. Um, I, was, I thought about putting it earlier, but I'm going to be honest, I think the recovery from COVID is going to take years. To know sure. what is the service model? really going to look like? Um, how much backroom space do we need? Are we, will we go to a hybrid staffing model where some people are at home or annexed to different places? Um, I I also think, could we, the leadership team talks a lot, um, and general staff as well, about when are we going to talk about expanding, um, expanding library footprint? And it's a it's always a fascinating conversation, but 
this year, next year, the following year, I just can't imagine being in the right space to do that responsibly. I think we need to work really hard to re-engage the community, re-engage our physical building use, and be in a place where we can ask a wide, diverse slice of our community, let's let's talk about urbanism. Let's talk about what we need now in 25 years, in 125 years. And I, I think doing it now would just be a disservice to the future. Um, We're off balance to a certain extent. And yeah. I just feel like, I don't know about everybody else, but the older I get, the faster the years go. <laughs> I think that we're going to be here before we know it. And, um, and we'll have plenty of, of other work to be doing in the meantime. And there are other projects that will make sense to do. Um, maybe a full staffing study and things like that um, that will only feed into that in a positive way. My question is, okay, so the study is going to be done in FY 2025, and we're asking for $125,000 to implement the things that are found in the study, but so is that 125 just kind of a random number, or do you have in mind like it, HVAC's got to be replaced, or I mean, I, I'm wondering why 125. Oh, if somebody I, asks you that, I I reached out to my network director for okay. So they said, you know, for, for people who have done this kind of study, and many of them had only done one, a space need or environmental or whatever it might be. How fast do you find you can turn around and get work done? And was it like you got sort of a dossier of you had to do all this right away or do they help you stage it? And the way that the most articulate person kind of explained it was, in their experience, it was sort of like when you get a home inspection that you put in my house. Like, these are the critical things. These are the things that you want to work into your next, you know, replacement schedule for for your HVAC and business. And here are things that will be kind of bonus. Um, so I'm not anticipating that $125,000 will, will answer the study. But I think it would let us start to think about, okay, so clearly everybody here needs a different office chair, or, or we do the venting system for the HVAC has to be replaced. But we can take that one step forward um, and part of that is just getting that momentum that you sort of come back to, to your partners in funding and say, we're really pleased to be able to start these three pieces. We think this will be the environmental or staffing impact. Um, we look forward to you know, talking more about what the change will look like. Um, and the fear is to have a stagnant time between study results and being able to request uh, what you're going to do with it. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if this was either not approved as, as it's written or um, or was tabled for right now. But I, I think with this kind of process, having the conversation, letting finance know what we're thinking. So we never want them to feel surprised by a request like this. Um, so my hope is that they will either help me um, tweak it to an extent factory run or accept it. But if they don't, I still think it was a, it's a good thing to get on my radar. Um, 
and a lot of other were thinking that in addition to just doing a study, we need to do something. So, um, a hundred thousand looks small to me, but it sounds like maybe you've got some uh, prototypes or some ideas of kinds of projects that might come out of this, and, and one of those would likely fit into a hundred thousand. I think either the design or the first part of it because I think we'll have to engage some um, building specialists or right. things like that. Um, I, in reading about flat roofs like we have, I've read some talk about just changing the color of your overlay and that kind of thing matter. Um, so if we were to, so if our, our findings said something like that, we could probably start to work with the team to design what that would look like. And then the, the next year, we'd be looking at the funding for the, for the real project. Okay, so, so I'm sorry, so 125 in your head is, this looks like 25 for design and 100 for construction. Yeah, I was guessing we would strategically choose some project or projects that would fit into that. Okay. Um, the other thing to know about CIP, of course, everybody loves it when you can start your request at the farthest year out, but that's not a requirement. So if we got closer to this or into this, if we decided to submit something for, uh, you know, the, the, the next fiscal year, uh, that's there's nothing that says you can't do that. Um, we try to future cast, but needs come up that, that weren't known. So we're not stuck with this amount in this year. Uh, we could also amend it. So we'd know better if we got there. Um, another, let, let's, we'll certainly hope we'll be out of COVID at that point. But another issue that lots of projects are facing here now is just supply. Um, and we're seeing a little bit more of the ask of pay 100% up front before, before materials are, are delivered and things like that. We haven't been affected yet, but um, we just try to predict what the work will be. Okay. Um, so the moving on to the annual report, Elsworth's report, this goes to the city. Is that right? So the annual report, I'm not, I don't think I'm actually required to write the annual report. It feels like something that I should do. So I, I enjoy the reflection on the year. We typically put the whole or part of the narrative on the website with our sort of year review. Um, but it it really was just a, a you know it's not really kind of reflect and think about what's what's been great what's been hard um, and but it doesn't it doesn't have any great significance of going to our state reporting file or anything like that. Comments. Okay, um, moving on then to the departmental reports. Let's see which one comes first. I guess Sam's report comes first. The welcome desk 
Is it? It's open now sometimes. It is. So um, as we kind of brought our volunteers back and we've initiated new ones, um, the staffing of it has been kind of uh, semi-regular. I think we're trying to decide where it has the most impact. But we do have um, we have some frequent forms who like it and attracting questions for us. And it's kind of delightful to see the array of them from everything, too. Great question. The restroom is down to your right. <laughs> they can help you fax upstairs and... I don't know about you, but I, I feel like the lessons we learned from Lottie Grab and Go where it's like, are we masking? Are we masking? Is there a threshold? Do I have to wait outside? Just the navigation of space right now is so uncertain. And I think we'll continue to be so to have that friendly space. I think it's not only meaningful for our public, but those who have not been able to serve in this capacity for over a year. So, so is the ultimate goal to have it staffed? All the time the library's open. That's that's Terry's goal, and I, I want to really support them in that. Um, particularly, I think during like our heaviest use hours. So I think as we continue to see us growing services, we'll watch that door count. We'll continue to look at those questions that are coming, and maybe feed those to public relations too. Like, what is not obvious to you when you walk in this space, and how can we make that better? Any comments? What is this picture? What is this a picture of? Oh, I got so excited. I took a picture of all plants at the Canada at the purpose. Somebody actually let me get in the cockpit before we started, and I took several photos of me, but I thought you'd be much less interested in um, You were wrong. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was like where I was going to escape, but they didn't. How about that? The, the figures in the costume. Also, that was a group of, uh, of indigenous dancers that came down from Minneapolis during the Latino Fest, and so they were like 12 feet from our booth, oh, right okay. there um, on yeah, where the fountains are on the pedal. So Latino Fest was absolutely delightful because we were so close to the action, we could just say, cool off and get a bag and a library card right behind me, and folks just kind of filed in on that sunny Saturday and did so. Cool. It was hot. That was the one of the 105 degree days. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I wasn't wearing the sweatshirt all day. <laughs> <laughs> so let me go back and ask about that volunteer desk. Um, are, have other libraries used a desk like that, a greeting desk? Yeah. And what I'm wondering is if it um, parallels like the Walmart readers in terms of dropping stuff. Oh. Because you have a face contact, and it doesn't matter what that person does, like they say hello or makes eye contact, you see theft rates fall. And I'm wondering if other libraries have found that true. That's an interesting angle. We're one of four libraries doing it in Iowa, and we've reached out to other folks too, and that wasn't a piece of the initial conversation, but I'd like to. But something about the eye contact, I and mean, those readers and stories are not there for no reason. They're there first to make you look up at the camera and then to. Um, Give you that personal interaction like the eye contact and i'm just wondering if there's other it will also just like setting the social stories of the space right you know I mean? right it's big and monolithic that it can be intimidating right there's a person like, there now right and I, i'm just wondering in a year if, if we see any trends with the eye contact effect on behavior is right. one of the main drivers that i i support with this because i think of um a group that we consistently had trouble with before the pandemic, some of that middle school age group, right. as a big team of folks. And 
companies would go up the stairs and sort of escalate on their way, but they didn't have any contact with staff from the outside all the way through that big lobby into the building, up the stairs. I think having a somebody with uh, a name tag and a smile with sort of a welcome um, right, right. is really going to help reset right. the expectation. I'm not saying that we're going to go into silent library moment, but just a sort of a reminder. Oh, right. There are other people here. Um, and they saw my face. Yes, yeah. I'm, but I'm I, I, it's going to take a long time to see if that makes a difference. But I'm wondering, and, and we're in weird times now, so I don't know what our baseline is, but I, I'm thinking in two years or something, if we see any change, or if there's any way to measure there what other libraries saw, because I, I think you're right, there could be behavioral awareness once you've made eye contact with someone when you open the book. Some of our legacy volunteers who are like really into this and giving me some, some questions back and giving me data, I might just like entertain that conversation yeah. and see what they observe if you'd like. Right, even anecdotally. Yeah. Okay. And maybe we have to wait till the summer. I don't know, but it just. So Terry has been doing the Terry Byers has been doing an exceptional job of taking a, a formed but new concept idea and just sort of continuing to tweak it and work with the volunteers. Some volunteers were super excited. Others Is it, took a little more heads itself. <laughs> but I think that as people do it, I hear more and more positive. Um, and I think it's only going to get better as we figure out what piece of furniture do we really need? Do we need the plexiglass? Do we need a computer? Just sort of right. moving through those decisions. Um, I think right now what we see is probably the clunkiest version that we'll ever have. So. But I also like it because you hear people saying no one spoke to them in an entire day. At least someone there says hello when you walk in. Yeah. The isolated people. Especially after such an isolating time. Yeah. It's interesting to watch. To be honest, like I, I work, I've worked from home for the last five years and we're in the worst parts of this. Seeing a Walmart greeter would make <laughs> so. Yeah, you could go hang out at the University of Iowa hospitals. There's like people saying hello to you everywhere. Oh, I didn't even know. You know what? I didn't even know. Not anymore. You don't walk through the hospital. Just to get in, you have to be told hello many times. So they let you in and give you. Why'd you go in? You have to go through security checks. I used to have my short. Okay. For a very interesting and colorful report, and now we have a report from Jason, which is also very interesting. So maybe not quite as colorful. I'm more aware of it, I guess. <laughs> I got no airplanes. Uh, no dancers. I tried to get there through text. <laughs> I appreciated the information about the computer time. I thought it was really interesting. It's been a long-term goal for the department. Um, and we just sort of thought we were blocked forever and Brent sort of uncovered the key. So um, it's been working really well to be able to offer people to extend the time without having to interact with them, without having any permission, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, and instead it's just an, assume, an assumption of an extra time. And even met with workforce development, I works last week and was able to offer to the staff there like you know when you when your people here have hit a wall of time um, you can always refer to the library for a longer computer session time which is helpful. 
that's all I heard. I thought it was great. Let's see. Any other questions, comments? We've since hired a digital media lab intern since this was published. So um, they'll be more regularly staffed. So how, what's regular? Sorry, what's that? What's regular? Um, three times a week. Like for? They're part-time. Whole day or part of the day? Uh, I think it's five-hour shifts. A weekend and two nights. Universities. Comments? Okay, moving on to Patty's report. We will add my thanks to Ellsworth's written thanks to everybody who was able to come to our 125th birthday party. It was a lot of fun. It was very hot there, too. Yeah. Um, and I don't know yet how the Eat Out to Read part benefits the library. We wait to hear from Big Grove about that. So. Other than that, I thought I'd write about all those items we got valued at $598 last year in our pink sheet process. So people have any questions? I thought that was interesting too. It was very, yeah, totally very informative. I, I, didn't, I didn't know about pink sheets. Thank you. We're very happy to be uh, invigorating the development office to go from one and a half people staff in the near future. Has he started? He started a week ago Monday. Yes, today was day 10, 7. Eight. Today's Thursday, right? <laughs> it keeps coming back. <laughs> it's coming back every morning. Hmm? Well, it is. It's awesome. Okay. Um, there's a miscellaneous item on the agenda. I don't know what that is, so maybe we won't, won't do that one. <laughs> um, Next is the president's report, and this has been sort of a work in progress for me. Um, um, first of all, every year we take a picture of the board, and this year um, I'm proposing that the board photo be on November the 18th. I know there's a couple of us not here in October. So if November the 18th, if you think you're going to be here and you want to dress up for the occasion, or you may just come as you are, it's okay. But, but that's okay. November the 18th, maybe we'll set as the board photo date. And that's usually done at the beginning of the meeting. Okay. Um, the board recognition dinner, there's no update. Um, because <laughs> COVID is COVID is still raging. My personal feeling, if we get too far out from the new board members and the old board members being gone, it, it kind of loses its uh, 
its purpose, but but we'll just wait and see what happens. Um, you know, perhaps a, a holiday gathering, which wouldn't even have to be necessarily after a board meeting, would be a more appropriate way to, to visit with each other. I, I don't have any update anyway. With the hospital and stuff full of COVID people, I don't think now is the time to be planning a board dinner. Um, the third item, this item keeps coming back and coming back. We all know as a board, we should be doing something about continuing education. Kelly has been quite proactive about sending out educational opportunities. And I noticed just maybe yesterday, day before she sent out a link to the Board of Trustees manual, the Iowa Library Board of Trustees handbook, I guess it's called. I have started reading through that and Personally, I consider that to be continuing education for me because I'm learning a lot just reading through that. And um, it's maybe not as dry as the personnel policy, but it's interesting. You learn a lot. I mean, it really is, it's a good thing to do. So I would recommend if anybody's interested in sort of self-continuing education, I consider that to be just as good as sitting in on a lecture that you may or may not get too much out of. Um, if you want to, I mean, Kelly has made it possible for all of us to have Iowa Learns accounts, which, and we can then listen to webinars or listen to recorded presentations. That's an option too. And you can log your hours that way. Um, in the uh, library handbook <laughs> that I started to, chapter two is devoted, is called the culture of learning. And basically it says the board is responsible for promoting a culture of learning, which basically means the board should learn stuff, but also support the uh, learning opportunities for staff and the director and, and it's the board obligation to make sure that we include that in the funding for the library. So it's not we're supposed to promote a culture of learning, not just learn stuff on our own. And it um, basically it says all members of library board of trustees participate in a variety of board development training each year. The recommended average if it is five hours per year per trustee. Um, if you decide you wanna read the packet, the handbook, I think that's great. If you wanna attend the staff development or staff, what do you call it, in-service? In-service day, which by the way is coming up on December the 10th. Um, I really, really encourage people to attend if they can. That's more than five hours right there. And it's a really, well, I don't know what this one's gonna be like, but the three that I've attended have been really good. Um, so that's a way to get, it to get continuing education in. Really things that, well, especially, I think especially if Brent's reports to us, I learn a lot every time he, he gives us a report. I don't lots of times understand exactly 
what he's explaining. But, you know, I think if you take a very expansive view of what continuing ed is, um, I think it's it's not that difficult. I, I just encourage people to 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 learn stuff as as we go along. And if you learn stuff and it somehow works its way into the board minutes, then it's recorded. So that's, that's a good thing too. So, okay, that's my continuing edge feel. Um, I think that's about it. I don't know Ellsworth, if we, as a board, discuss the situation of a, a board member not being able to attend meetings? Well, we have a board member who now has a conflict and can't attend on Thursdays in person. And, in person. and I... I've been on the board long enough that I know this came up once before, and it, it wasn't it wasn't a comfortable situation. The board member, who was moving temporarily to another city for educational opportunities for his daughter, he was an awesome board member. Everybody liked him. He contributed. He was great, but he couldn't be here, and that sort of precluded his ability to continue to be on the board. Um, one other thing that I've looked at is the, um, it's called the local ordinance. When the city set up the library, they, they, they set out what the ordinance is. And one of the things is that a board member who misses more than four consecutive meetings is not on the board anymore. So the question is, if you attend via Zoom, does that count? I think because we have to have a quorum of in person, it's not really fair to allow people to regularly attend via as, Zoom. As an information, in the past, the decision was not ours. Okay. We do not appoint members. Um, right, we don't. The decision was for the city to step in and, and discuss it with them. Right, right. And I. So it wasn't really a discussion. It wasn't really a discussion. It's not a discussion for the board to make. It's a city appointment. But we did. We did. We did. Well, I was in on the meeting. We. I don't think we made the decision. I agree with you, but it was. We did not. We we sought their opinion, and they actually they discussed it with the person, and then sent me a letter to send forward saying. They're looking at community representation on the board. Okay. And it was based on value of how they felt the community could be best represented. So we did not take it. We did not. We, we had said to the board member, we will leave this in the city's hands and we will follow their recommendation, whatever way it felt. But this was, since we do not appoint. We don't appoint, right. We do not remove. Okay. All right. That's so, been the historical precedent that the city took on. Okay. Yeah. Something could have changed since when this happened. It wasn't an exceptional board member. Something was the, the city was who's the best to represent the community in a board. And that person also was not going to be attending by Zoom. They were not going to be attending at all for a year. The Zoom attendance is another issue, but they were not going to be available to attend any meeting for at least a year. Right. 
even virtually. Well, this was sort of pre-Zoom so, pre days. He, he was so already calling in some. No, that person had already been attending 50% of the time by Zoom because their, their office was in LA. Um, in some people, this was a situation of, it wasn't based on virtual, it was that person said they would not be attending any meetings for a year. They were not willing to do virtual either. So it was, it was, you know, they said it had some similarities, but there were differences and it was gonna be a complete absence. But again, what the city said is we do not appoint, um, since, since our board doesn't appoint, the city does. Okay. It's kind of out of our hands. It's sort of a moot point then. Except, except that the city should be informed. The city was informed. The city was the one that. that okay. Okay. And something could have changed since that happened the year you were hired. Yeah, we could find out. It just, you know, and that was, that was the logic behind it since we don't appoint, we can't really. Well, the, the sands have shifted a little bit. I'm not right. in that people have become so used to attending. Right, that person's, and that sounds like this bird that was um, offering to attend virtually. That Except that I don't understand general. how you can attend virtually, but you can't attend in person. And it seems like if you have a time conflict, you have a time conflict. But Unless the travel transit. kills it. No, and I've also attended virtually. Unless the travel kills right, it. Right, yeah. And I've attended virtually when I've had to work out of the country and I've attended virtually. Which I think is, is you know, it's but I think periodic yeah. as a substitute yeah. for, right being ever in person. Right, yeah. right. It wasn't it wasn't a year gap, it was right. Okay, so let me know what I need to do and I'll do it. <laughs> oh, okay. Very shortly ago. Okay. Exactly. Um, and don't be surprised if this you suddenly said, we're we'll turning it back to you, you know, that they're not consistent <laughs> at the time. He's going to put away the don't. It's a lot easier to... Right, that was our that was our rationale. We can't appoint, so we can't. It's remove. in the local ordinance, so right. they have to do it. The city attorney to right. interpret the ordinance right. in light of. Actually, it was um, the person who speaks for the council on the appointment of the board that did it. And I can't remember what her name was. There was a who worked right under Eleanor Dilks at the time, but I I can't. There's a person who's in charge of committees and commissions. She, it was her prerogative. Anyway, that's how we got Wes. That's how we got Wes. That's how we got Wes. Okay. Um, announcements from members. This would be a great time to comment on all your continuing ed opportunities. <laughs> committee reports, have you, has the foundation committee met? The Friends Foundation met today. Um, it was mostly an introductory meeting because we had a lot of new board members. Are there, how many, there are a lot of new board members. There are members. seven new members. <laughs> approved last year, right? So they're at the maximum number. So it was a lot of, a lot of introductions and explaining what you have to do as a French Foundation board member. And sharing a book recommendation. Mm -hmm. Which seems like a good way to start any meeting. Yeah. <laughs> no other communication, communications, were there some included in the 
Yeah. Okay. So moving on to the consent agenda, we have to approve the meeting minutes from last month's board meeting and approve the disbursements. Bearing in mind that the board minutes are the legal record of our meetings, um, it's really great if you do read them carefully. Um, anyway, can I have a motion to approve the consent agenda? Okay. Second? Second. Okay. All in favor? Opposed? No. All righty. And the last thing on the agenda is to set the um, agenda for next month. And you got a revised October agenda. Looks like this, same as the other one, only without the blue. Um, so in October, we will hopefully be presented with your budget in brief, right? Um, we'll go over the first quarter statistics, policy reviews, our policy 103 and 808, which is actually a correction. The original packet said 802, but it's policy 808, our advisory committee. And Nobody else has anything to add? I move that we adjourn. Second. Second.